Hello and welcome to Great Ridge Station, a place to sit back and relax while waiting for your train to board. I'm your host, Sam Helgerson, and I'm pretty much a fixture around these parts. The goal here at the depot is to help you strengthen your own practice of leadership, no matter where you serve. Every episode will give you not only the background theory, but some practical tools that you can use right away. Great Ridge Station is a service of Great Ridge Group, LLC. Thanks for stopping in on your way through. Season 1, Episode 14. We're in a series on the questions we need to answer in order to lead ourselves well. This is part six of that series. I keep hammering on this idea. I believe in bringing together theory and practice. So my hope is that you'll take these ideas and do something with them. See, I put no credence in things like fortune cookies, but every so often I get one that seems to fit me. So earlier this week, I went to a local Asian restaurant near my work, a place called Great China, and I got the obligatory post-meal fortune cookie. Here's what it said. Education is not about filling buckets. It is about starting a fire. Well, let me tell you, as an educator, that's true. I've never been interested in the bucket model of education, where it's my job as an educator to fill the empty minds of my students. There are a lot of educators who still think that way, but here's part of why that's wrong. See, the assumption that students' minds are empty places that need filling, that's just simply not the case. This is why I love working with adults. They, they bring their whole life to class with them, all of their experiences, the things they think about, the things they care about. And as I like to point out, adults are capable of way more than they give themselves credit for. But they need a little bit of kindling to get that fire going. Education is almost nothing like filling a bucket and a whole lot like starting a fire. So when I first started into this bit on self-leadership, I really expected to do five episodes and then move back to my regular episode list. Things have not worked out that way, so here we are, episode six. In the interest of giving credit where credit is due, the article that inspired this material is Peter Drucker's piece for Harvard Business Review called Managing Oneself. You know, Drucker's original article ran to about nine pages in its original release. And I've got way more words than he had. And I'd like to think that if he were alive today and listening to these podcasts, he'd probably give me a high five. Okay, he wouldn't, but that's what I like to think. So never mind, I guess. Let's dig into two more questions that you need to answer in order to manage yourself well. First, what kind of environment do I thrive in? And next, how do I define success? First, let's look at what kind of environment do I thrive in? I came to academia after a career in the business world and after a lot of consulting work, so I've seen a lot. I've seen multinational companies, government agencies, technology companies, nonprofit organizations, mid-sized manufacturing firms, small businesses that punch far above their weight. And they're all different. In North American culture, there's a picture of the good life at work that involves working for a large corporation in a very impressive building. It's everywhere. And whether you know it or not, in fact, whether you like it or not, you have been trained to think that way. Thanks to media, marketing, advertising, Americans have been taught that this is what success looks like. The problem, of course, is that most people are not going to end up in that setting. So, you need to know where you thrive. 
I've always been fascinated by people by where people wind up. For me, I have a list in my head of really cool, highly improbable jobs. Things like railroad conductor for Amtrak, a jeweler, an architect, a bicycle designer, custom furniture maker, mason, machinist, sound engineering recordist. You know, when I meet someone in one of those fields, I have to ask the question, how did you ever find your way into that? And the stories that I hear are usually exactly the opposite of a straight line. People find their way into jobs by mistake, by happenstance, by sheer dumb luck. Usually what gets them there is not the work itself, but the kind of people and the kind of environment. I hear things like, I knew I wanted to work alone and be responsible for my own results. Or, I knew I wanted to be part of a dynamic team. I want to be able to really shine and make people happy. I knew I wanted to do things that stayed done when I finished them. I like the challenge of dealing with problems and difficulties, and I like the constant changing demands on my time. I want to help people. I want to create really cool stuff. I just wanted to keep my head down and do something useful. No one needs to notice me. I just need to know that my work matters. I want to change the world. You see, each of those will involve a different kind of work environment, a different kind of organization, and very few of them involve the stereotypical big company. Knowing where you fit and the kind of environment that works best for you is important information about yourself because your dream job may not be your dream job. Years ago, a friend of mine went to school to study graphic design, and when he came out of the degree program, he learned something. He told me, I took a hobby that I loved and turned it into a career that I hated. And it wasn't the work. He was good at it, and he liked it. It was the work environment. He was used to working alone at his own pace, and he moved into a fast-paced world where people were expected to work on-site and in project-based groups. And it didn't fit him, and he wound up, he wound up hating it. So a lot of years ago, let's not talk about when, I was in a career crisis in my life. I was not where I hoped I would be. A good friend, a mentor, suggested that I take the strong interest assessment. I checked. It's still around today. I got back my results, and man, was I disappointed. I was looking for some career direction, and it told me that uh, my, my ideal fit was either as a college professor or as a photographer. I quickly wrote off both of those suggestions as just way beyond the scope of reality. Well, here it is years later, and I'm teaching in a graduate school setting, and photography is one of my hobbies. Huh. See, there are two assessment tools that you might find interesting. The first is Career Leader, which is really the more current of the two, and you generally need to work with someone who is certified to help interpret your results. But it will tell you the sort of environment and the organizational culture that will be a good fit for you. The other one is the Strong Interest Inventory, and it will give you a couple of career path options based on the way you like to work. Don't forget, the, the idea here is to find the workplace culture that would be a good match for your temperament. If you don't know what kind of environment can help you flourish, you will almost certainly have a difficult time finding your dream job. And of course, that brings us to our next question for this episode. How do I define success? To borrow a line from James K.A. Smith, 
Everyone has a vision of the good life. In Smith's work, that has a lot of meaning and a lot of implications, but I want to zero in on this. Success means different things to different people, and it's woefully easy for us to fall prey to someone else's vision rather than one that is authentically our own. As you can imagine, this shows up in other people's idea of where you ought to work or what job you ought to do. Maybe it's parental pressure to join the family line of work. We've had four generations of doctors and you need to continue that proud tradition. Yeah, it's bad to say, yeah, I'll do that without some serious consideration. But it's at least as bad to say, no way, no one tells me what to do. So your view of success needs to consider all of those factors, but it needs to be uniquely yours. It needs to take into consideration all these things that we've talked about in this series, your strengths, your weaknesses, the sort of work you like to do, the right environment for you, the things you care about, your core values, and so on. I can't give you an easy answer, but I can give you this. Your success has to be found not in what you do, but in who you are. Develop a career that highlights the elements of your character that can provide the greatest benefit to others. I think it comes down to this, honoring God and serving others. And what that looks like in your work is going to vary a lot depending on what matters most to you. If your heart combines technical know-how with compassion for others, maybe being a doctor is the right calling. But if your heart is about doing something that benefits other with others without taking center stage and you want a job you don't have to worry about when you're off duty, maybe being a garbage collector would be a good fit for you. Don't laugh. The 1968 New York City garbage strike was a big deal. See, at Bethel University, we have a student and alumni service office that's called the Office of Career and Calling. Your career and calling need to fit who God wired you up to be. You can't try to live up to someone else's definition of success. As they used to say, you can't keep up with the Joneses. Success is not about achieving a higher and higher level of income and a higher and higher level of consumption. There needs to be a level of contentment. One of the things that I frequently obsess about is living a lifestyle that is sustainable. I got that idea from my dad, who emphasized contentment and wise use of resources. Ask yourself this. Is there a point at which you have enough? Make that your financial benchmark for success. I can't tell you where that level is, but it's a powerful thing to be able to say, I have enough for our needs and plenty enough to give some away to benefit others. As Jesus pointed out in Luke 12, verse 15, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. To use a trendy word, curate your life curate your life in a way that you can recognize what you should and should not be pursuing. Simply put, I like this analogy, before you decide to climb the ladder, be sure it's leaning against the wall that you want to get to the top of. Define your success in terms that are meaningful to you and that reflect God's work in your life. I hope this has given you a few things to think about, uh, and, and with these two questions, what kind of environment do I thrive in, and how do I define success? If you can answer these well, it'll save you a lot of headache and heartache. See, I have a theory about these ideas. 
In the Bible, in Proverbs 22.6, it says, it has these famous words, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. This verse speaks to parents, mentors, and teachers, and it's about helping people to pursue the things that are most important. The line, train up a child in the way he should go, is more about finding a person's natural bent, their compelling interests, and steering their hearts toward those things. In other words, help people, help people to honor God by equipping them to do what God made them to do. So I'm pretty confident about this observation. Our failure to do this is the primary reason that men and women get to a certain age and have the proverbial midlife crisis. It seems to me that a midlife crisis is about getting to a certain point and saying, ah, I'm wasting my life on things that I don't care about. The best way to avoid that is to know what kind of working environment can help you to really thrive and hold firmly to your definition of success and do both of those things in a way that honors how God wired you up to make a difference. Figure that out right now. Adjust your course before you wind up spinning out of control and help those around you to do the same. Thanks for joining us at Great Ridge Station. As the train boards and rolls on to its next destination, we hope you found your time here helpful. Consider what you've learned and what strategies and practices you can implement right now. If you have leadership questions that you'd like us to address, we'd love to hear from you, and you can find the questions link on our show page. We can't answer everything, but we'll watch for themes and big-picture questions and get to as many as we can. All content is developed by Dr. Sam Helgerson with appropriate citations of outside sources. Our sound engineer is Brick Martin. All background and bumper media is in the public domain and retrieved from archive.org. The opening music is from Guy Lombardo, Down by the River. The closing music is from Annunzio Montavani, Skyscraper Fantasy. Limited opportunities are available for supporting sponsorships. Contact information is available on our show page. I'm already looking forward to your next visit to Great Ridge Station. Bye-bye.